Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to House of Horrors. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner. Here on the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? What's up, everybody? My name is Jonathan B. Lerner with Believe in House of Horrors on the Believe Podcast Network. You know, folks, in our short life so far here on the Believe Podcast Network, we've covered a, you know, pretty nice variety of movies. A lot of them are classics in their own ways. Halloween, classic slasher film, perhaps the godfather of all slasher films, The Exorcist, and so on and so forth. But really, no film can call itself a classic more so than the one we're going to cover tonight. It is unique in a lot of ways. For one thing, it's not really your textbook horror film, at least not in the way we know them today. There are no big monsters, there aren't even spirits, really. There's no... Well, there actually are some jump scares, but they're not cheap and predictable, like most of the ones you see in modern horror films. So what film am I talking about? Well, I could tell you, or I could not tell you. What? No, I'm only kidding. That's what we would call a terrible joke. (laughs) No, we'll delve into it in just a minute. But before we do, I want to go over just a few housekeeping things. If you enjoy this show, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Uh, Oh, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, basically wherever podcasts are found. If you can find podcasts there, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Believe, that's capital B L E A V podcasts. And of course, feel free to follow me. I'm at J O N B as in boy L E R N E R. That's J O N no H. B as in boy L E R N E R. That's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. All right. I think that's all I've got as far as housekeeping goes. So let's get into it. I truly believe that one of the most identifying factors of the film and one of the most critical elements in what made the film so scary was the music. And so I'm just going to let the music tell you what the film is, shall we? friends if you don't know by now you just don't know the score this is the music from the film psycho directed by alfred hitchcock a classic among american cinema you know it's particularly fitting that we kick this episode off by talking about the music i don't think anybody who's into film to any degree would disagree with the statement that music is critically important to any film doesn't even matter the genre really comedies Suspenseful films, action films, they all need a good score. But certain films, like this one, really illustrate that more than most. I mean, the music in this film is 
almost like a, a character in the movie. It adds so much to the overall feel and atmosphere throughout the film that I honestly believe if it weren't for the music, the movie would not be nearly as intense or scary or successful. Even Alfred Hitchcock himself is quoted as saying, 33% of the effect of Psycho was due to the music. How he came up with 33%, I'll never know. I would disagree. I would say it adds at least 57% to the tension and drama of the film. While Alfred Hitchcock was greatly fond of Bernard Herrmann and they had been partners for a long time, he was hesitant to hire him for this production, not because he didn't want him, he absolutely did, but Herrmann, he refused to accept a reduced fee for the film's lower budget. Totally worth it though, I would say, wouldn't you? What's very interesting and not many people know is that originally Hitchcock requested a jazz score for this film. A jazz score. I just can't even fathom that. Can you even picture, I mean, think of how different this film would be had there been a jazz score. I just don't understand how he ever thought that was a good idea. And obviously Bernard Herrmann felt that same way because clearly he just went right ahead and totally disregarded Hitchcock's request. No, I will not hide in the fruit cellar. You think I'm fruity, huh? Herman thought, well, he thought that the single tone color of the all-string soundtrack would be a good way of reflecting the black and white cinematography of the film. What a genius. What a genius he was. The film's main theme, which is what you're hearing right now, is a tense counterpuddle piece, and it sets the tone of impending violence. It returns three times throughout the film. Though nothing shocking occurs during the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie, the title music remains in the audience's mind, lending tension to these early scenes. Herman maintains tension through the slower moments as well, uh, through the use of ostinato or even the use of silence. Here's a perfect example, probably the best example of how effective the use of silence can be in film Probably the best example of all time. I'm going to play the shower scene for you. And I want you to notice how, for the longest time, you hear no music. All you hear is the running water of the shower. Take a listen, folks. Now, 
For those of you who haven't seen the film, what's wrong with you? Go out and rent it and watch it today. But what's happening during that long period where all you heard was the running water of the shower is you see, you see through the shower curtain that someone comes in the bathroom and slowly approaches the shower step by step. As it gets closer, you start to recognize the silhouette as that of an old woman. Knowing the character checked into the motel by herself, one can't help but wonder who this could be, and why are they approaching? Then suddenly it happens. Highly effective, highly, 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 highly. Regarded. You know what else is interesting and amazing? When you hear that sound of the knife being stabbed into the woman's skin, you know what they used to give that effect? They took a knife and they jammed it, stabbed it, if you will, into not a human body, but a fruit. I believe it was an apple. Not positive on the apple, but I know it was some kind of fruit. And that is the sound you're hearing when you hear the stabbing, stabbing, stabbing of the knife. And you know what, folks? I think I may just leave it at that. However, I would absolutely be remiss if I didn't at least mention what it is, what the overall theme of this movie is. I'll say, and this is quite subjective, so take it with a grain of salt, but I feel that the overall theme and the moral of the movie Psycho is that no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in life or where you came from in life, the truth is that when you get right down to it, well, a a boy's best friend is his mother. Say what you will, folks, but the truth remains, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. Mother knows best. It's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son. But I couldn't allow them to believe that I would commit murder. They'll put him away now, as I should have, years ago. He was always bad. And in the end, he intended to tell them I killed those girls and that man. As if I could do anything except just sit and stare. Like one of his stuffed birds. They know I can't even move a finger. And I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet. Just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. All right, a quick addendum before we really wrap up completely. One thing I think is worth talking about when it comes to this film You know, we live in such an age of remakes and sequels and prequels and Marvel universes and I don't know, I'm just going to go ahead and add on to some story with a new story and who gives a crap. We live in an age where it just seems like there aren't many original ideas and there aren't many original films or pieces of art being made. That 
topic could be its own episode, quite frankly, and maybe it will be, who knows. But here's my feeling in a nutshell. I think the only reason you should ever remake a film is if it was a great idea, but horribly made. The story was great, it could have been great, but the film just flat out sucked. And, as I'm sure you well know, the opposite is true. It seems like most of the films remade these days are really good films. Films people love, films that, if nothing else, are have developed a cult following. I mean, like I said, it could be an entire episode. But when it comes to this film, Psycho, something kind of unique happened. In 1999, the film wasn't just remade, but it was actually... Gus Van Sant, a very well-known director and a very talented director in his own right. He's directed films like Goodwill Hunting, Milk, among others. In, I think it was actually 1998, not 1999, but in 1998, he decided to do what is called a shot-for-shot remake. A shot-for-shot remake. So, unlike most remakes, where they'll kind of take the film and add some stuff, maybe change the script a bit, throw in their own spin, and all that crap. Crap that, honestly, usually people hate because they're seeing a film they loved in the first place. This was not that. He car- It was basically, literally, he copied Alfred Hitchcock's camera movements and editing. The script was virtually intact completely. The score was reused. I mean, it was it was the same movie. I, it's it's the craziest thing ever. The only difference was the original movie was in black and white, and this movie was in color. <laughs> I mean, they really made they tried to make the actors even look like the original actors. It was crazy. It's like I kind of get the idea a little bit just because of what I said earlier. Usually, these remakes don't go over well because you're remaking a movie that a lot of people love. So why remake it? You're only going to screw it up. Especially a film like this. So I guess maybe the shot-for-shot attempt was an I don't know, an attempt to appease people, but we don't need to see the exact same movie. Surely you know what I'm talking about, but if not, the film stars Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates and Hesh as... Marion Crane and Julianne Moore's in it, and whatnot. Very talented actors, sure, but again, make it make a different movie or something. Speaking of which, this 1998 Shot for Shot remake was hardly the only attempt to profit off of the original film's success. Oh no, not at all. There were actually three sequels to this film. Did you know that? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, so. I have to be honest with you, you know, I haven't seen all of the sequels, and I've heard that some of them might even be pretty good. But here's the cold hard truth. Psycho 2, Psycho 3, and Psycho 4, they all starred Anthony Perkins, which, kind of sad, a little sad. He couldn't get out of this role, he was typecast, and so he just embraced it. Maybe not so sad, maybe maybe a smart, smart business move. He even directed one of them. But get this, so the original film had a script written by Joseph Stefano, who had written the book the film was based on. Well, Psycho 2 and Psycho 3, which came out in the 80s, by the way, they were written by who the hell knows, who the hell cares. Psycho 4, which came out in 1990, 
was written by Joseph Stefano, the original writer, who by that time had to be kind of an older man. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but I just see in my head, like, after the first film, he thinks... Please, I would never do a crappy sequel. I'm, I'm a original writer. The f- next two come out, and 10, 12, 15 years later, he doesn't have much going on. And so he thinks, eh, what the hell? Okay, all right, I'll write Psycho 4. Mm. I don't know. Check those films out if you want to. But the fact remains, folks, nothing compares to the original. One guy who absolutely did not have anything to do with the sequels or the remake, Alfred Hitchcock, because he's classy and he's a he's a real artist. I shouldn't be talking like this. All right, folks, anyway, Psycho, a classic in American horror. If you enjoy this show, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Oh, oh uh, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, basically wherever podcasts are found. If you can find podcasts there, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter. We're at B-Leave, that's capital B-L-E-A-V, podcasts. And of course, feel free to follow me. I'm at J-O-N-B as in boy, L-E-R-N-E-R, that's J-O-N, no H. B as in boy, L-E-R-N-E-R. That's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. <laughs> you think I'm fruity, huh? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.